in a series called Go Big, and uh, the title of my sermon today is Grow Younger, Grow Younger. And now I've got some anti-aging advice for you. I know a lot of people are freaked out about their age. In fact, if you just added 10 years to your age uh, right now, you'd be uh, very freaked out. And a lot of people fear getting old, uh, losing their youthfulness. In fact, do you know that uh, in the world today, uh, uh, well, in 2020, actually, 34 billion US dollars was spent on anti-aging products. 34 billion in one year, in 2020. 2020 was the start of the pandemic. You know, and a lot of people in 2020, when they're locked up at home, spent a whole lot of money on anti-aging products. But how many know to grow younger is actually to defy nature? <laughs> We're all growing older. Uh, but to grow younger is like you're running down an upward escalator. I know many of you have tried that when you're younger, running down the upward escalator. Uh, but, but also growing younger, it's like it's a moving target. Because without intention, you just need to do nothing and you're going to grow old. That's great news. Well, not for a lot of us it isn't. But I've got good news for you because God wants us to grow younger. And my question to you is, what are you doing to grow younger? Some of you are going, well, I'm going to the gym and I'm eating healthy. No, I'm not talking about growing younger in your, in your physical body. Because let's face it, if you go in the gym eating good food, they're all good things to do. It's important that you look after the temple that, in which God resides in. But, but this thing, this body is, is aging. And in a lot of places, you know, if we're doing that, we're just investing into expensive worm food. Because let's face it, uh, that's where this body's going to go one day. And so while our body is wasting away, the Bible talks about that our, our spirit is being renewed. Now, I, I believe the key to anti-aging, the key to staying young, you've got to hear me today, the key to staying young is to serve and release another generation. That, that's part of yours and my God-given mandate is to serve another generation. The fastest pathway to irrelevance is just to serve yourself and to be self-focused or just to look after your own generation. I believe you and I need to look at and see how we can set the platform for another generation. It's not that as we get older, we get replaced. It's that, that the message of God gets reinforced. And, and right now, I really believe God is searching out a people who set a platform for the next generation so that they can fulfill their God-given mandate. See, no matter what age you are, your relevance is found in the serving of another generation. In fact, I want to take you quickly to Psalm 145, and we're going to look at verse 1. It says, it says I will extol you, my God. I love the fact that the psalmist personalized his relationship with God. I will extol you, my God. It's not John's God. It's not Sue's God. It's not Robert's God. I will extol you, my God, my King. Oh, King, I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day, every day, 
I will bless you. This is the day that the Lord has made and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. And, and every day the psalmist is saying, I will bless you. Every day I'll bless you and I'll praise your name forever and ever. Uh, what's a commitment you've made to do every day and forever? Some of us have made a commitment to go to the gym three times a week, but that's not every day. You know, what commitment have you made to do every day and to do it forever. Here the psalmist says, every day I'll bless you and I'll praise your name forever and ever. Listen to this verse three. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. In verse four, one generation shall praise your works to another. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate, I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. For how many, would God, uh, for how many out there would say God's been good to them? See, God wants to take the work he's done in your life and he wants another generation to know that work and to build on top of it. God is a generational God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And one of the greatest things, and this is where I want to hone in this morning, one of the greatest things that you and I can pass on to another generation is what God has done in our life. And, and really, when it comes down to it, you know, a lot of people today are walking in fear, walking in anxiety. But one thing I want the next generation to have is I want them to know and have a godly confidence. A godly confidence. You know, advice to my kids in them growing up and them trying new things out and they're freaked out the night before about an exam or about a trial or, or something they're going through. I, you know, often I'd just say, just have confidence. I'm sure a lot of parents have given that advice. Just be confident. You know, when they're doing something new, don't doubt yourself. Don't second guess yourself. Just be confident. If we're to go big, it's going to require confidence. Not just any confidence, but a godly confidence. And today I want, us, I want to take you to a verse that's loaded. It's found in Hebrews chapter 10. In fact, this whole chapter is loaded. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Hebrews 10 verse 35, it says, listen to this. So don't throw away your confidence. That's right. Don't get it and throw it away. Don't throw away your confidence because it will be richly rewarded. I know what it is to live with confidence and I know what it is to live without confidence. I, I know what I'd rather live with. See, see, it goes on. It says, you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what He's promised. For in just a little while, He is coming and will come and He will not delay. Uh, a lot of what the world calls confidence in a lot of places is compensation. You just need to look at social, you know. People go, oh, that's a confident pose, but it's actually in a lot of places just compensating for a lack in their own internal world. And the way I like to think of confidence is confidence is the attitude of faith. Confidence is the attitude of faith. And, and here in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, he's reconstructing the confidence of a group of Christians who are in crisis. You know, the world right now is in crisis. And a lot of people have lost their confidence. A lot of people, are, you know, are doubting themselves, second-guessing themselves. 
But here the writer uses contrast and context and he's speaking to them in the middle of a crisis and he's saying, hey, don't take your focus off Christ. He's trying to get their focus to be on Christ. See, when you lose your focus on Christ in a crisis, what happens is you become like Peter who stepped out on the water and while he was looking at Jesus, he was walking on water. But the moment he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. But here's the deal. When your eyes are fixed on Jesus, you're able to walk on top of what other people sink in. This is why if we're to go big, our focus needs to be on Jesus. In the right of Hebrews, he's quickly establishing the supremacy of Christ. What that simply means is Christ is better. Better than anything you've ever experienced. If you're, you're to put him up against anything... That's right, anything in the world, he is better. What he's saying is Christ is enough. And when you go outside of God and look for satisfaction outside of God, what you're in essence saying is Christ isn't enough. Isn't enough. I found in life, you can lose a lot of things and you can get them back if you have confidence. A lot of people, oh man, yeah, I've lost a lot in this last season. But don't throw away your confidence because God wants to bring stuff back to you, but he wants to do even more than that if you keep your confidence. We've established in the series is that the devil can't take your calling. We know Romans chapter 11 verse 29 says, for the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. In other words, God hasn't changed his mind about your call, about your destiny. He, he, he doesn't change his mind when you lose your way. And since the devil knows he can't take your calling, what he will do? He, he will attack your confidence. Because if he can get you to give him your confidence, he can keep you from functioning in your calling. If he can sow doubts in your mind, if he can get you wavering, second-guessing yourself, what you do is you'll just repeat bad patterns of the past or you'll repeat what past generations did where they never overcame and there'll be questions, you know, oh, who in your mind? You know, who are you to believe that? What makes you think you can do that? You're no different. And then the enemy knows if he can strip you of your confidence, you can have a great calling, but if you have no confidence, what you simply are is you're a car with no gas. It's like you got all the equipment. I'm talking about petrol right now. Yeah, that's right. I know that's a bit of a touchy uh, subject. We're in a corona crisis right now. Uh, there's another pandemic out there. Uh, but a lot of people got their equipment, but they've got no power to get moving. Uh, come on right now. How many people are struggling with confidence, their confidence? Uh, I wonder how many people would own that right now. Yeah, I'm struggling with confidence. And the question is, have you got confidence? Because get this, confidence is a natural byproduct as a result of salvation. The, the whole context of the gospel is confidence. If it doesn't make you more confident, you've got to ask, is it the gospel? See, the gospel shouldn't send you away feeling like crap. It's good news. It should make you more confident. And godly confidence is not found in our flesh. It's not found in our achievement. It's not found in our abilities. It's not found in our circumstance. 
Godly confidence is centered in how good He is. The worldly confidence fleeting. It's circumstantial. You know, a lot of people today get their identity out of their work. I like what Tim Keller he said. He said, when your work is your identity, success goes, success goes to your head, which means that failure will also go to your heart. So your confidence is based on your performance rather than your confidence being in His goodness, His grace, His pan, His power. Come on, if we're going to boast in the season, let's make sure we boast in the cross. And so often we lose perspective. You know, even in relationships. You know, relationships sometimes can take on a, a funny, uh, a funny, it just goes all funky and funny simply because somebody gets offended over one event. You know, you do something and somebody gets offended by that and now the relationship's fractured or strained. And it's the one event, you know, that can destroy a long-lasting relationship. And, and, and a person can get focused on the one event and they can forget all the hundreds of other things that are good about the relationship. Uh, the challenge in the season is not to lose our perspective. Because the serpent will come like he came to Eve in the garden. And he'll ask you the same question as, did God really say? And I really believe there's a lot of people... The enemy's trying to get to question the Word of God. And the serpent came to Eve and said, uh, did God really say that you should not eat of every tree of the garden? Uh, no, he didn't. He just said they couldn't eat from one tree. There was plenty of trees in the garden. But it's funny how he made like one tree look like every tree. And, and we've got to be careful in this season that, that we don't lose perspective. And, and I like what a Hebrews, going back to Hebrews 10 says, it says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have, we have confidence to enter. How many know, just because you have it doesn't mean you're accessing it. How many have got a phone right now? Yeah, just because you've got a phone doesn't mean you're talking on it right now. Well, I hope you're not. Well, if you're using your phone to scroll, uh, yeah, you know, through social, don't do that. Maybe you could share this message because it might help somebody out. Uh, you could use your phone to do that. But here's the thing. Just because you have it doesn't mean you're using it. And sometimes we think we need more confidence. But what we really need to do is use the confidence that we already have that comes to us by the virtue of what Christ has accomplished. And God wants you to know today you have confidence to enter the most holy place. Now, in the Old Testament, that's the place that, uh, that the high priest could go and only the high priest could go. And if he got that wrong, he'd be dead. That was an old covenant. How many are grateful for the new covenant? Because Hebrews 10, 19 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus... That's where our confidence lies, by a new and living way that's open for us through the curtain. That, that is His body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Well, what's happening here? Uh, the writer is helping us see where our confidence comes from. 
Uh, and if we're to pass confidence on to the next generation, I'm sure all the parents out there want their kids to walk with confidence. If we're to pass it on, we need to know where godly confidence comes from and how it works. So where does godly confidence come from? Number one, just three things this morning. It comes from a clear conscience. It's kind of hard to have full confidence when you have a troubled conscience. It's hard to get up and preach confidently when you've got unaddressed issues in your life. It's not that you don't have issues. We we all have issues. Everyone has issues. But if you don't address them, you get this nagging feeling on the inside. It's like the enemy is really good at playing on unfinished business. He plays with unfinished business. He, he gets you to question a whole lot of things. Some of you right now, you've lost your confidence because you've violated your conscience. It's like in, in relationships where you can't really look somebody in the eye or, or you hide. It's because there's been a violation somewhere along the line. It's like some people, you know, even on their phone today, it's like they don't want anybody else to see their text messages. They hope nobody else sees what's going on. Or in relationships uh, where there's unresolved bitterness. You know, we haven't applied the forgiveness that, that God's initiated but we haven't completed that by offering the forgiveness that we've received to somebody else. And, and we've got a seared conscience. And here's the deal. The devil knows if he can't get to our calling through our confidence, he'll get to our confidence through our conscience. And he'll tempt us with something that will defile our conscience. And now you have a defiled conscience What's happened is you've lost your confidence. And, and, and you've got to see this because to come into the presence of God requires confidence. But here's the, the kicker. The presence of God is the only place where your conscience can be cleansed. It's the only pli a place where you can get a fresh start. That's what we just read. But if you don't have the confidence, you won't come. Now, now, the only place where God can heal your conscience, you don't go because you have lost your confidence. That, that's why some people don't come to church in the very time that they actually need to come to the house of God. Come on, I'm looking down the camera right now. Some of you aren't in church, not because you're self-isolating. You're not in church because you've violated your conscience somewhere along the line. You almost came, but you felt guilty about coming. And something can you let the devil tell you that you couldn't come. But the confidence in my relationship with God does not come from my behavior. You got to hear me this morning. It doesn't come from how good I am. It's through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. When those drops hit the ground, mercy hit my life. Grace covered me. It covered my past, it covers my present and my future sins. And future sin, it means that I can come into his presence with my head held high, like a child of a king. Come on, oh, I'm no longer a slave. It's like God says, come on in. God, God says, I know what you've been up to. Come on in. I know what you got up to in your teenage years. Come on in. I know where you've been in the last couple of weekends. I know what your, your thought life's like. And he's saying, come on in. 
Christian confidence does not come from your ability to conform to a set of behaviors. That's the old covenant. We have a great high priest and his name is Jesus. And he is the source of my confidence. So a clear conscience, which you only can get through coming confidently into his presence, is a key to confidence. But the next place where godly confidence is formed is it's formed in community. I know your confidence may have been shaken lately, but you need to hear there's people around you who can support you. You you can play, you can live life with a home ground advantage. Teams that play at home, the statistics would say, have more chance of winning than if they're playing away. And God places us in a community to support one another. And it's a community of believers. Let's read on in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. It says, let us hold, hold, hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. Some of us need to hear that. Not giving up meeting together. Yeah, we may have got out of routine. Yeah, we may not engage as we know we should. But let's not give up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more, all the more as you see the day approaching. As we come into even end times where things are going on in the world, we're to meet even more. Not less. You know, here's the deal. I I need people in my life. And I need people to keep me on track. I need people to help me so I don't turn back, so I don't settle. I need people to inspire me, encourage me. I need people to to question the excuses that I make sometimes. Because some of them aren't valid. You know, but there's always going to be a group of people who who don't like you really moving forward, who will try and pull you back. In fact, often it's those who are closest to you because they grew up in the same setting. And if you're moving forward, it really, you know, it really cancels the excuses that they're making for not moving forward. What we've got to ask ourselves is, where's there a group of people who are going in the same direction? There are always people who, who don't want to support or endorse your decision to follow Jesus. That's why we need a group of believers. See, here's the deal. You don't have to follow Jesus. You have to follow Jesus for yourself, but you don't have to follow Jesus by yourself. And we need community. See, everybody in their head, I've found, has this confidence committee. It's like you sit around a table and there's a committee member called past experience. And he will speak up when you decide to do something big for God. Come on, we're going big. The moment you decide to go big, this committee member of past experience, oh, you tried that before, it didn't work out. And he'll give you every reason not to step out. We've got a a committee member named self-loathing. We've got another committee member named doubt or, you know, even, even somebody, a committee member who questions your loyalty. I want to say it's really important that we, we are loyal to what God's placed on our life. In fact, I often say when it comes to moving forward, there's some relationships you, you've got to let go of. 
And we've got to recognize that that spirit is thicker than blood. There's even some family members that are wanting to pull us back. But we've got to be loyal to what's in our spirit. And we all need people around us who believe in God's call in our life and who call out that call. We need group confidence because we all have doubts. And too many callings have been abandoned at the crossroads of confidence. And when the devil comes and puts pressure on, I want to say that's a sign that you're in the proximity of your promise. But what we need is we need some people to stand around us and say, no, keep going for it. Keep believing. Keep holding on. God's going to come through. Don't doubt. And it's that community that enables us to press forward. Which brings me to the third area. And if we could have the musicians up. If we don't live with a godly confidence, we've got to recognize that it comes from, lastly, consistency. Listen to this. Not giving up meeting together, as some other in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I mean, no, you don't get abs by going to the gym once. You've got to keep on working it. And, and confidence does come from a level of consistency. And, and you know this when you have time pressure. What happens is when you've got time pressure, your anxiety will often be determined by the level of your confidence. If you're relying on somebody and you're still confident, what are you trusting in? You're you're trusting in that person's consistency of character. Oh, they won't be late. Oh, they always come through. Don't worry. Don't worry. Where other people who don't know that person might be freaking out. You know that person and you know they're reliable because they've proven it in the past and there's a pattern. There's a consistency to their life. Some people, however, you know, there's no consistency and that causes your anxiety levels to go to another level. Maybe right now you're not confident simply because there's no pattern. There's no consistency. You know, you show up maybe once a month. You you only read your Bible in an emergency. I guess you're not confident. Well, in a way, how could you be? Because what you've done is you've embraced a behavior without embracing a hard attitude. The behavior is something, but it's something that you take on and you take off. But when you embrace a hard attitude, it's like the behavior automatically follows. I I watched a movie, King Richard, lately about the Serena and and Venus Williams. And it it shows the, the effort they put in, the way, the reason why the world champions time and time again was their practice regime. In fact, Serena Williams was asked at some point in time, is what what helps you handle those big moments and not freak out? How can you handle those big moments and remain confident? And she simply replied, well, we've played a lot of tennis. See, what helps you handle moments of crisis is, is simply, well, we've prayed a lot of prayers. You you see somebody with a tremendous peace in their heart. You know, it's like simply in a lot of places, oh, well, we're forgiven a lot of people. What gives me confidence is now I know what God's done in my past. And that's another building block there. And Hebrews says, so don't throw away your confidence. I want to say, 
God's established a lot of things in a lot of people's lives. But the enemy's coming along and he's trying to get you doubting what God did. But what you need right now is you need to look back at the, at the faithfulness of God because that should give you confidence in looking forward. If God did it back then, He can do it again. So don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Don't do it. Don't throw away. Here's the thing. Your confidence today is your responsibility. Nobody took it from you. They can't take it from you because they didn't give it to you in the first place. Our confidence comes from Jesus. And whoever puts their faith and trust in what He accomplished on the cross, you know, come on, the good news today is you can have confidence. You can have confidence today about your past. You can have confidence today about what's going on right now, but you can be confident also about the future. See, the devil will try and taunt you. Like he used Goliath to taunt the Israelites. Every morning they'll get up and they'll dress confidently, get ready for battle, only to have their confidence shattered by this giant who would taunt them. Who are you to believe that? Who are you to think that could happen for your life? Why, is that really God? And He had taunt them, taunt them. And I really believe a lot of people in their mind They've got these committees going on and they've got these voices that are trying to rob them of their confidence. But today, I want you to stand firm in Christ. I like what the psalmist says in Psalm 119, verse 41. It says, may your unfailing love, unfailing love, get that. His unfailing love is not conditioned upon your behavior. His love doesn't fail. May your unfailing love come to me, Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then I can answer anyone who taunts me for I trust in your word. Come on today, don't put your trust, your hope and your circumstances. Put your trust in His word and you watch what God will do. If we're to pass on confidence to the next generation, we ourselves need to know what it is to walk with confidence ourselves. And then you can say to your kids, you can say to those around you, just be confident. God's got you. God's got this. He's going to work it out. He's going to make a way where there's no way. Come on, don't doubt. Don't second guess yourself. Don't compromise. He's worthy of your trust. And I believe His unfailing love wants to reach into every heart today. And where you're throwing confidence, He wants you to, to regain it, get it back. So you go into your week with your shoulders back and saying, hey, God, this week, I'm going to see you do amazing things in my life. This week, I'm stepping into destiny. This week, I'm stepping into call. Come on, His call, the gifts and call of God on your life, they're irrevocable. They can't be rescinded. Doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been. Come on, that with you right now. You can't dull them. The enemy will try and dull them. But there's something inside each and every one of us that says we're born for more. And we're born for a relationship with Jesus. And we're born for a purpose. And today you can know that by putting your trust and hope in Him. So right now, wherever you are, if you've lost your confidence, if you've thrown it away, you're saying, God, I want to align my focus. And I want to, 
tap into the source of where godly confidence comes from. Just how about closing your eyes right now? Thank you, Jesus. Your Holy Spirit is right now working in people's lives. Lord, right now to all those voices, those committee members, Lord, we silence. And I pray your word would ring true in people's hearts today. Let us be a confident people. Let us raise a confident generation, not arrogant, not a people who trust in their own ability, their resources, but whose trust is in you. Today, we declare you are the hope of our hearts. You're the lover of our soul. And you're worthy of our trust.